back to the Jew Rogaine experience. Uh, joining me today is Julian Stern. Uh, Julian um, once wrote one of the nicest reviews uh, my documentary received. And in the review, he made sure to specify that we weren't friends. No. He wanted people to know that the review was purely based on merit. He actively said, and he's like, he's like, not only are Josh and I not friends, I actively despise him. This is how hard it is for <laughs> me to say how good this movie is. If like I were to pick my least favorite people in the comedy scene, number one, Crystalia, number two, Josh Edelman, barely. Uh, no, Julian. Julian didn't say all that, but but he did write a, a really. He did, he did really. He did really write a. He did write a very nice review. My favorite review of the film. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't like pin it on my Instagram because the New York Times wrote wrote something. But did they actually write anything, or did they just? name it they, they were like they said it was their favorite comedy documentary of 2021 right which is important yeah yeah i honestly kind of better than like, like you know they could have written a nasty review and that would have been writing about it but writing something nasty yeah instead of like this is the be it's so good we don't even want to talk we just want you to see it right whereas you ruined it for people i did yeah no all the twists and turns were all absolutely the... ruined and yeah people probably I just, some people read it but it, the reading a long substack post even though it's I think it's I think more than nice it was a thoughtful definitely yeah, 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 yeah. interview yeah, yeah and no. it's one of the best things I think I've written in the past couple of oh, years I, from a an interview I, I would standpoint agree with that I think it's one of the best things ever written I, <laughs> in I'll take in that. just in general yeah uh, but if you're wondering you know a lot of people ask me how do I get booked on your shows how do I get on your podcast <laughs> write a nice review of something I did and I'll consider I won't book Julian on a show. It took but he a can come, long he can time come, also for this one come to on, He can come <laughs> on the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll throw like, 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 man, if as many people listen to my podcast as came to my shows, and I want to say my shows are limited to about a max of 80 people. <laughs> so if as many people, and Julian wouldn't have even made it on the podcast. But, but yeah. for the three of you listening to the podcast, just know that if you want to be on it, write an incredible review of something I did. I do want to say that and I, don't, I hope this doesn't break the fourth wall too much. I think the actual reason that I got booked on this podcast is that you wanted to ask me some questions about something that you were going to. And then I said, can you come to me? And you said, I'd rather have you on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, well uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add extra layers to that. I was like, hey, can I buy you lunch and pick your brain right. about Edinburgh? And you were like, sure. Can you come to me? And I was like, I don't even want to buy him lunch. I was like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? I'm not even recording right now. Right. I'm just here to ask you questions. It'll never be released. And I was like, great. I got him to come to me. I didn't have to buy him lunch. You know, oh, man, the podcast, it, it didn't record. I'm so sorry, Julian. That uh, is very smart. <laughs> It's 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 literally you were like you were asking me right before we started like what do you do like an episode a month I've actually recorded technically a hundred episodes but but you know most of them were just to pick people's brains for information <laughs> and I'm like oh my god they, they were like they want can you come to me and I was like what if you do my podcast right. and then I never release it yeah. No, so the actual truth, by the way, of your question earlier, do I do one a month? Uh, it's, I, it, the show was running for about a year and a month. I've done 13 episodes. The 13th is being released tomorrow. Exciting. Um, 
And uh, with Al, the guy you wrote uh, your review of my film about. Oh, if you're watching or listening to this podcast right now and you haven't watched or listened to the Al. Actually, I would I'm say. I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this podcast has watched my documentary because it's like my mom and like two other people. But now you're getting the Julian Stern bump. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Okay, this yeah, is going to get, as, as long as it goes well enough, this this will be featured as a recommendation in the Sternal Journal. Oh, sweet. Oh, sweet. Uh, and there are at least a few people who are here. Welcome, Sternal Journalists. Uh, good to have you here. It's. This is my podcast, but now, I imagine actually. that I imagine that those people have also watched the documentary. If they're such loyal fans of the Sternal Journal that they're watching you, listening to you on a podcast that's not even related to the Sternal Journal, then they've probably taken your like biggest movie recommendation of all time into consideration. I I loved the movie a lot. I don't know if I would call it my biggest movie recommendation of all time in the Sternal Journal. In the Sternal, yeah, I'm not, I make recommendations every week. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, what's your biggest movie recommendation from the Sternal Journal? It, you know. And I'm kind of hurt now. I'm just. It, I was it, like, I've been telling people. This. It could very well be <laughs> mentally, and they're like, "What is the Sternal Journal? How many, how many, how many Sternal Journals have you done entirely on one movie that wasn't mentally out? Uh, I did one where I interviewed my friend Sammy Junio, who was watching the film uh, Happiest Season every day for a month. They watch the same movie every day over and over again. Yeah, for a bit month. of a stunt that they do. Uh, sometimes they do like I'm going to eat a whole pizza every day for a year. Um, but they, I think, I think this was the most meaningful one because it's. Are you familiar with Happiest Season? No. It was Hulu's big like queer holiday rom com of. Are they queer? Yes. Okay. I think the end of twenty. 20 2021 it was the bros movie that like the it director was, was, didn't chastise everyone for not watching i would call it the bros before bros the bros before bros if i may <laughs> did you call it the episode of the sternal journal bros before bros i should have that really was a good one i didn't know about bros yet at that point um but that's also a a good but, but yeah that was all that was more about the experience that sam went through i always like that like he really criticized people for not watching bros and called everyone homophobic mean Meanwhile, there are other gay rom-coms that came out prior to bros that did better financially. I'm mostly thinking of this. Are one. there? Yeah, there's this one movie that I'm thinking of, which name I forget. Okay. Because they didn't make such a big deal about <laughs> their mild success. That's a hot take. You think you think Billy Eichner uh, tanked? The movie I, I, I saw, bros. I saw, I saw, I saw bros. I saw bros. I saw, hey. I saw it. I saw it in theaters. Hey, I saw it uh, four times. That, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, that's no, no, pretty no, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kept going back. Like this movie's fucking hot. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this movie. Uh, I'm not gay or anything. I just you know I like jerking off to bros. Uh, <laughs> that that could you could. You should do an OnlyFans where every day for a month you... Um, I watch bros. You jerk off to bros. I jerk off to bros. Yeah. It's going to take me the whole movie. Uh, it's going to take me up to the scene where uh, Megan Mullally... Not Megan Mullally, the other girl from... Megan from, Markle? No, no, no. It was gr- crazy that Megan Mullally from, and Megan Markle were in bros. Were they? No. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. I'm the, the, the girl from Will and Grace. Oh, Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing. Yeah, yeah. She's hot. Hot Jewish uh, redhead. She is. Did you watch a lot of Will and Grace? No, but uh, I like Deborah Messing. Oh, I watched a lot of Will and Grace. I watched that movie Along Came Polly, which has both Deborah Messing and Jennifer Aniston, the two big female like uh, TV show stars. Don't forget Dharma from Dharma and Greg. Dharma and Greg and Was Elaine it? and Elaine from Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, those were the hot. Those were the hot '90s TV checks. 
the adults, but I feel like in the, I mean, we were teenagers or, or even not even teens. Would Mad 90s. About You be of that period too? And was Mad About You a big enough hit for that to count? Helen Hunt? I think so. She I watched went on it. to have briefly the most successful career of any right. of them. But now you'd probably argue that uh, Elaine. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm with, trying to uh, think if there's anyone. Julia Louis-Dreyfus broke the cur- broke the Seinfeld curse of uh, the actors from Seinfeld being unable to have a successful post-Seinfeld right. show. We know Kramer. <laughs> Kramer has maybe the most watched video post-Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer went the most viral. Yeah. Is that, is that a success? <laughs> <It's>, uh, no. <laughs> I remember I was uh, walking past the Laugh Factory and I saw a sign, like it was like after the Will Smith slap or something. And it was like the Laugh Factory. It's like the Laugh Factory defends comedians' freedom of speech. Don't with, get like, me started. Chris Rock on it. And I really wanted to Photoshop Kramer onto the, <laughs> onto the sign outside the Laugh Factory. <laughs> I really, I, I wish you had done it. I think it would have been fun. I did do it. I, I posted it and then I took it down because I was like, I don't want to get banned from the lab factory. But I still haven't been booked, so I'm putting it back up. Right. Fuck. Do it today. Fuck that. Yeah, do you it know, right I'm going to post it on the, this episode of the podcast so that I don't, so that nobody sees it. But they, supposedly they defend the comedian's freedom of speech. Yeah. So but, if you were to get banned for that, then that would not well, be them warn defending. You, they warn you not to go Kramer at there. <laughs> There's like literally a sign. And outside, it's like, we defend freedom of speech. Inside, it's like, don't say the N-word. Right. Which I'm not arguing you shouldn't I do. I think that's a that's an absolutely <laughs> great rule. I even think there are more words that, that, people, <laughs> that clubs should tell people not like to say. Like Jew? Uh, with certain connotations, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I say Jew a lot. In my, yeah. You're, in my I think you're extremely allowed to. I'm extremely Encouraged allowed even. to. Encouraged But you know what? I have a very... You know, you know what? I'm more upset when I hear Jewish comedians play up play on anti-Semitic stereotypes even more than when I hear non-Jewish comedians do it. Because it's they're like being a race traitor? Well, I'm just like... I'm just like... I mean, it's, it's, it's just... Do... I, I like it if it's funny, right. but it's just so rarely funny. But I will say it's remarkable how many times I hear people saying things like being Jewish about it, and they're just referring to being cheap. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like I was at a, I was at a uh, comedy nook once, and someone, someone non-Jewish was like, uh, they really like Jewed me out of this, and I was like, I was like, where, like, what, what makes you think that's okay? I didn't even grow up with that one. Like I like I, well, I think I, it's newer. I don't think so. There's a clip. There's an online clip right now of a guy in Florida, like a like a uh, government person getting into an argument. Like someone's like, "Did you really just say this?" Like, no, I used Jew as an adjective to describe being Jew. I wasn't being anti-Semitic. I'm like, you clearly don't understand. That's the problem with people who say I'm not racist or I'm not this. I'm like, you don't understand that you are. You can't. Your defense can't be saying I'm not something. Right. You yeah, know? I think it's worth. I probably shouldn't admit this, but just this morning I was watching um, the episode of Andrew Yang's podcast uh, where he had Shane Gillis on. Okay, because um, it got recommended to me on YouTube. Um, so that's that's more an indictment. The fact that it was recommended, I think, than that I was actually <laughs> watching it. Well, I like Shane. I so think Shane's I. funny. Yeah, but but I, I I like Shane more than I like Yang. I I like both of them. <laughs> I, I actually went to an Andrew Yang rally in I'm LA. Sure, you did. <laughs> look at you. you I was look, curious. You look like the poster child for someone who went to an Andrew. Yang I was rally. excited. If I only <laughs> if I only had my hair up in the bun, then it would be a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was excited to to. I it, it's the same way that I was. I felt strongly 
that I was rooting for everything everywhere all at once, but I was trying to download DraftKings really? to thought, figure out. Everything, everything everywhere all at once was a little too much. I the thought movie? it should have been some stuff, some places over time. Right. That well, would have been a better movie. That's almost every movie, though. Yeah, but I, that's that's why they're that's why they're better than everything everywhere all at once. Too long, too much, too on the nose. So you agree with Ben Shapiro? Uh, <laughs> I just I no Ben Shapiro hates it because it's Asians. Like, right. and then he's looking for other excuses. I'm just saying that I don't like it for that reason. Also, but separate of that, no, no, uh, <laughs> no. I no, no, no. Look, how am I suddenly more worried about this podcast than I have of the two appearances on Luke Walls's podcast? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Well, here's 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 my here's my take on everything, everywhere, all at once. I enjoyed it when I saw it. I thought it was good. I have no interest in seeing it again. In fact, I dread the idea of sitting through it again because I just think it's too long and too on the nose and doesn't leave me with anything to really think about because it really just tells you. That movie tells you exactly what to think and what to feel about everything. Mm-hmm. There's no there, and I'm I'm just much more about subtlety. I'm much more about like leaving certain things like not not preaching to me that you have all the answers because i don't think anyone has all the answers yeah i don't think it said it has all the answers but and i it agree has, that like, it 10 endings I, normally when somebody's every saying this i'm from like every movie all in one movie right i mean again <laughs> they said what it was up front so I, I, I don't think you can fault them uh for that yeah but, okay okay <laughs> if you went to go see i'm gonna make a movie called bad movie and then you're gonna be people like i didn't like it like oh they said what it was up front <laughs> it would be it would be an impressive move way too long movie <laughs> i think i to, i guess to, that'd be like <laughs> complaining about the length of the never-ending story that's true i normally i am like well go fucking make a movie if you think you're so good at it. but you have yeah have. so i'm i'm actually and, and i arguably my movie was very subtle and i think my movie was about everything everywhere all at once i think it was about one guy it was about one places. guy but i think that that and comedy <laughs> one guy <laughs> about two one things, guy a few different places one guy three over places over over two weeks <laughs> yeah that's an alternate to one guy, three places over two weeks. I think that's, but I think it's about. I think it's about a lot of things. Yeah, no, you know I like to. Yeah, yeah, but like I'm just movie. saying. Yeah. I, look, I'm not trying to say my movie's better than everything all. It's better than everything. But uh, they're different movies. They're different. Movies. I enjoyed I just, both of them. I was. Well, I'll put it this I was way. drunk the first time I watched your everything. Movie. Everywhere, all at once was on my top twenty of the year. It was just in the bottom part of my top 20 of the year. That's huge. I liked it. Yeah. Again, I liked it. I just don't think it's... I think it's a movie that tricks dumb people into thinking it's a masterpiece. No offense. Uh, I'm not saying you're dumb. But anyway, you like my I, movie. I, I, <laughs> love, I love that take, whether I agree with it or not. And yeah. I don't think I do. I think... Because I think it probably also tricks a different type of dumb people into trying to make hot takes about it being a masterpiece for dumb people. Oh, and that's no offense, but that's that you're who I'm talking about. Like, yeah, like it yeah, is one yeah, of those yeah. flashpoint things where it's like, just fucking experience the movie. But also, I think like like you know, and I I feel bad shitting on it because it is definitely very original and went for something new. Are you and only I'm, shitting on it because it won Best Picture? Totally. Okay. <laughs> that but like like again, it gets to this place of like ranking movies. I mean, you want to know the fucking truth? You want to know? I wrote out what I would have picked for Best Picture of the nominees. What would you have picked? Top Gun. That's what I was about to say. Is that I was like similar to my interest in Andrew Yang was like I want to see where this goes and i think it could potentially uh 
be good for the world. Who was the guest again? Shane Gillis. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which what I was going to say about that was that he talked about how when people asked, he didn't want to make his publicist apology. I wouldn't be going after everything everywhere all at once if I were Shane Gillis. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe you leave, leave that one alone. (laughs) He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't talking about everything everywhere all at once. It is, he it is troublesome how close we are. Yeah, his publicist was like, wrote out the apology for him and he was like, I don't think I'm not going to say when I that I want to re-educate this myself. This is the podcast I'm going to have yeah, to apologize oh no. for. Especially when I do my, my, my Shane Gillis thing in a second. No, 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 no. <laughs> do you think that there are people that were so angry at Shane Gillis then that now forgive him? Um, yeah. I think, I mean, I think for, because he is very open about it. He's like, I don't, I think they should have fired me. I think they did the right thing. And so... I think, like, I was like, uh, he, as, as he says, like, most people had not heard of me. I had not heard of him. All I saw was that video. I was like, this is not fucking, this is really racist and it's not funny at all. Why were they even interested in this guy? And then, yeah, whatever, however many months, eight months later or something, I think, again, not to just keep talking about Luke Walls, but I think I saw him post about Shane's special and I was like, Okay, like I, Luke and I are pretty diametrically opposed ideologically, but we we went to see Babylon together. We we like a lot of the same things. We respected you, loved Babylon. I like Babylon. (laughs) I hate La La Land. I hate La La Land. I I think La La Land is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I fuck Babylon is arguably my second favorite movie of the year last year. I think same. I don't know if Top Gun was actually my favorite movie. I just thought it was going to win, and I wanted to. I think it just bet on it. Here's the thing. But I've never bet before, and it turns out it's illegal to he, online gamble in California. I had no here's idea. My, here's, my, here's my take Move on this. why Top Gun should have won Best Picture. Because technically, the award Best Picture, me, it goes to the producer. It's the only award that goes to the producer. There's no award for Best Producer. Best Picture is the award for Best Producer. And what Top Gun do, did was, one, it made going to the movie. Like, like, they made such a bold choice to not release it on streaming over the pandemic, hold out and release the movie once theaters were open again, betting on theaters ever being open again. It made the second most movie of any money, second most money of any movie last year after Avatar, which I don't think is necessarily an argument for best picture, but it fucking rocks. It's great. I saw it three times and my thing is People think I'm a real film snob, and I am a real film snob, but what people don't understand is that my favorite movies are blockbuster movies. I just think they make shit blockbusters now, and Top Gun rocked. (laughs) Top Gun was amazing. It was immaculately produced. Everything about it was just perfect from a producing standpoint to from lady gaga singing the singing the theme song for the movie to like doing a sequel it's the how many sequels have you seen that came out over two years after the original that are any fucking good over 20 years or after over two over over five years later yeah I like, mean, I I actually liked Avatar. I saw it last oh, week. Oh, I liked Avatar a yeah. ton too. Avatar is an exception because they were making it for twenty right. years. Avatar is great. Yeah, but uh, and that to your point, I think that's 
what I appreciated about the ending of Babylon, which if you haven't seen it yet, spoiler alert. But oh, I, I that's the one thing I hate about the uh, movie is, I, but is that ending. The montage. audacity to put <laughs> Avatar yeah. in this because what I liked about it was I bet you had people who were watching it who are big uh, Damien Chazelle fans and they were like, yes, oh, I wish movies could be like this again. <laughs> I, this is this was the golden age and just being so high and mighty and then Damien Chazelle. Fuck it. it was a it was a joke. It was a whole setup, and then the punchline was no. They're still this good, and then he put Avatar in there just well, to prove it. Well, well, here's you know here's my thing about the ending. It's not that I even think the idea was bad. I just think the execution of that idea was bad. Did you see it I, in the theater? Yeah, I think I, I think the it. movie. I think the movie is. I think the first two hours of that movie are fucking flawless. The last hour has ups and downs, and that. I honestly just think that final montage is legitimately poorly edited. That's like my big problem with it. I'm just like, I think, I'm like, you're trying to do like a 2001 type thing with all of this. Mm-hmm. And to me, you're just, it's just hitting me wrong. And it's like, I can't, I can't ignore the uncomfortableness of how I feel in the chair in the theater while I'm watching. Oh, that. But I, I think that was the point. I mean, I don't have the editor's mind that you have, but it hit me in the ways that I think. But it was I, but I, but I, but again, my second favorite movie of the year, if I were to pick best director, I'd pick Damien Chazelle over the guy that did Top Gun. Um, but you would want him. You would want to be able to present it and to be able to say, they, and, and, and it goes like, to look. I hated La La Land, but for this one, yeah, Damien yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when I wrote my picks uh, on on Twitter, I, I wrote that I hated La La Land but loved Babylon. Yeah, which is um, great. Um, well, I, I like. It took me, I was like three hours. It took so much for me to go see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I like did a poll on Instagram as to whether or not I should go. I actually remember all of this. I was not going to go, but then someone messaged me that like put the poll over 50% saying, Brad Stoll, saying, you want to go see it right now? And I was like, <laughs> fine. And I went and I was like, damn, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. And I think you were one of, I think there were a few people, but you were one of the voices that I had seen or heard saying, I loved the first two hours. I hated the last hour. And I was ready. I didn't say I hated the I, last I didn't hate the last hour. What did you hour. say? Are you sure you didn't say? The, I thought the last hour was a mixed bag. I think the first two hours are perfect. Uh-huh. And then the last hour is just like, I thought a lot of things weren't earned. I thought all the scenes were good, just not earned. Mm-hmm. Like, spoil, sort of spoiler alert. I think the scene with Brad Pitt and the and the publicist and the writer should have been Brad Pitt's final scene. Yeah, that was an I ending. Agree. Then you have two more things with Brad Pitt. It's like it's like you're 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 forcing the rest of this. Whereas that hit hard. That was the part that hit the hardest. That's the part that leaves again the ambiguity that I love. That's like right. missing of like well, and then he just and then he disappeared. And that's like a thing that would hit from that moment mm-hmm. forward. That like not only does she sell him this, but he actually does disappear for the film. From right. the film. Yeah. I I thought because I remember my like, you know, my my criticism brain turning on when he started to walk away. And I was like, OK, he's either going to walk out or he's going to be like, fuck you. But then when he was just like, thank you for that. I was like, oh. <laughs> like I got chills. Like, I really loved so that. I thought that was great. And then like. I loved the Tobey Maguire sequence. It's a straight-up ripoff of Boogie Nights, but just done back then. But it was good. It was fun, and I was yeah. worth it. But just like that ending, I don't know. Again, it just it didn't ring true to me how it went down. It, it rang forced a little bit. But, again, I still had so much fun. I was never not having fun through that last hour. Mm-hmm. It's just the first hour, like, I never even got in my head. I was just 
taken by the movie. And it's just, you know, I think that's kind of a thing. It's like, it's like, what's a great performance, in my opinion? A performance where you don't even notice it's a great performance until the movie's over, and then you think back and you're like, damn, I didn't even realize that was Mickey Rourke the whole time. Right. You know? It just felt like, or or it felt like Mickey Rourke just is the wrestler. Mm-hmm. So you're like, like... I haven't seen The Wrestler, but I understand what you're referencing. Exactly. Or it's like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't know until I was, you know, in college that Marlon Brando was, I just thought he was that old then. I didn't even realize that. I just like, the the fact that he plays an old guy without any question, it's just the most effortless performance like of all time. I think his performance in The Godfather is one of the greatest of all time because you don't even realize it's great. Yeah, I watched The Godfather for the first time on a plane like a year ago. <laughs> the way it was meant to be seen. <laughs> right. The way it was meant to be seen. But I did, I had the same thing with, I was like, wait, that's Al Pacino? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, which I would have known maybe if I had watched it well, earlier funny on. Is, like, I think, I think Pacino gives one of the great arcs of all time mm-hmm. in The Godfather through The Godfather Part Two, but I'd say the performance, and I know this is a weird thing to say about Al Pacino, I think the performance was almost a little too showy by comparison to some of his others. Like, I think his performance in Dog Day Afternoon is, uh, like, that feels like I'm just watching a guy, Mm -hmm. um, more so than The Godfather, which is an incredible performance in The Godfathers and Godfather Part Two are perfect movies, uh, even though I'm giving a criticism to a perfect movie, right. to a beyond perfect movie. Do you think the the part of your brain that we all have, but that the part where you're like ref- realizing that it's... I've been trying to very intentionally turn off the overthinking watcher in my brain or reader or listener or anything. And it's probably because I've been because Rick Rubin just came out with that creativity book and I haven't gotten it yet, but I've been listening to interviews with him Mm -hmm. and he talks about how like he's very intentional about if he's even feeling like something is good or bad, then he's like sort of paying too much attention. Oh, well, I mean, just to give you a a state of of where I'm at right now, I have been binging Sylvester Stallone movies. I'm I'm up to Rocky five right now. I've watched Rocky one through four. Mm-hmm. I watched First Blood last night. Uh, I'm halfway through Rocky five before I fell asleep. Uh, I'm fucking loving it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm loving every second of every Rocky movie. Do you think yeah, I'm even loving Rocky five as preposterous as it is? I haven't seen any Rocky movies, so oh I don't my know. God. But I well, have, I have well, seen Rocky, Creed. Rocky one is a bona fide masterpiece. Uh-huh. Rocky one's just like an amazing movie. I think Rocky one and uh, Saturday Night Fever exist in a world together because they're kind of about sort of a similar thing of like escaping where you're from Mm -hmm. um, and who you are and like trying to decide who you are rather than be who you're forced to be. Yeah. Uh, Ironically, Sylvester Stallone directed the sequel to Saturday Night Fever called Staying Alive, which is ridiculous, but also kind of fun. Uh Uh, (laughs) I think I saw Staying Alive when I was very, very young. I think here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'll say. Older movies, to me, kind of things that might have gotten bad reviews in their day when you look back on them. I give a lot more leniency today because there's so much craft put into them that is gone from films today because there's an aspect of the way movies are made right now where there's such a committee involved and there's so much you can do like like you have limited film. 
You have mm-hmm. unlimited digital. So it's like, you want to film however many fucking takes of something? You want to get however many angles? You want to just figure it out in post? That's something you can really do today. Back in the day, it's like, it's like, all right, here's how much film we have. How are we going to shoot this sequence? How are we going to put this together? How are we going to make this work? And you really see it. Like Rocky Three, man, uh, which I which I'd pick as the second favorite Rocky movie after watching them all. <laughs> it's like, it's like there's awesome. So there's a whole sequence with like Rocky working out versus clubber lane working out. And like Rocky is now kind of rich and he doesn't care as much. And clubber lane's got the eye of the tiger. Mm-hmm. He's like hungry. He wants it. He's just in the gym working out. Meanwhile, Rocky's like working out in public and there's like a whole parade, like around him at all times. He's like mm-hmm. on the bicycle. Girls are kissing him on the cheek and just the intercutting and um like choreography of that sequence is just awesome so it's it's like it's like and you look back at the rotten tomatoes of some of these movies and <laughs> and they get like mid to bad reviews yeah. meanwhile you look at the rotten tomatoes of like every identical goddamn marvel movie today and they're all at like 80 90 and i'm like what mediocrity in my quantumania mediocrity is the death of cinema uh-huh. i'm so much happier with a bold failure than a mediocre success what about it i mean <laughs> do you feel that everything everywhere all at once was a mediocre success? no i think me everything everywhere all at once is a bold success okay i think everything ever again i think it's good I think it's good. I just thought there was, I thought it was a year with a lot of good movies. Yeah. And I thought there were things that were better. Did you see Women Talking? No. Uh, good. <laughs> I love, I think Women Talking I'm was kidding. probably actually I, my I'll favorite. I'll probably watch it once yeah, it's available. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, but like, put it this way. I think, you know what movie I think had a nearly identical message to everything, everywhere, all at once? But just super stripped down, in my opinion, much better. Top Gun. <laughs> the Whale. I haven't seen The Whale. See, I love The Whale. I yeah. thought The Whale was excellent. I thought The Whale delivered the message of everything all at once, everything everywhere all at once in a way that kind of like hit more to home for me. Because both films are about love mm-hmm. and like the many forms of it, in my opinion. And I felt like The Whale really just showed like every aspect of like what it means to love in just a very beautiful heartbreaking and interesting way a lot of people found it very um very depressing and i guess yeah in a lot of ways it is but i found it weirdly uplifting i gotta see it do you think and Oscars- i feel and and it's a weird thing because everything everywhere all at once is like such a visual movie with so much crazy editing and all this stuff meanwhile the whale's like a play adapted to the screen mm-hmm. And I'm just like, if the whale was on TV, I'd much rather watch it again than I than I feel like I'd rather watch everything everywhere all at once. Mm. Do you think the Oscars um, are? So, I mean, like I feel like award shows are silly in general, and I I think they, I think I sort and I have worked award shows before. Like I I I have been very into them. I was I was into the pageantry of them when I was little uh and younger and then like i i've worked like oscars after parties did this become your podcast uh (laughs) (laughs) any podcast i'm on goddamn show uh well here's the interesting thing i feel yeah i think they're ridiculous i think they're silly i think art's not a competition while at the same time i do believe that there is objectively better art than other art Mm -hmm. i think that there is an objectivity to art i think there is an objectivity to the skill that goes into things just like anything 
something. Like, you know, I think that there are objectively better comedians than other comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that, like, you have to like the better thing more than something worse. There are people that, like, you know, that's the beauty of sports is always that there's a winner. Like, like uh, for the most part, through merit alone. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean your favorite player is the best player. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very similar with art. It's like you could like something worse better than something that's better. But I do think that there is like, I think there are just, I think there are things Baz Luhrmann did in Elvis that were like, showed such a greater understanding of the nature of cinema than what the Daniels brothers did in everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Even though they're, they're not brothers or the Daniels, the Daniels, uh, <laughs> they're uh, friends. Yeah. yeah, the Dan- yeah. They're, but they're the Daniels. <laughs> they are both Daniels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then the Daniels did with everything everywhere all at once. I'm not even saying that Elvis is better. I just think that there are just like, like I'm, I was more impressed with the way that movie was constructed right. um, from like a grammatical sense than mm. than like the grammar of everything everywhere all at once. I like where, that. I, where I enjoy the experimentation of both. Yeah. Um, I think Scorsese said something really interesting once when I was watching the making of Kundun, uh, which is one of my least favorite of his movies and probably one of his least watched movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's talking about this one scene and he like does some crazy editing stuff and he's like, yeah, you know, I just feel like with every movie I do, I got to try and push cinema a little further. I got to try and do something that's never been done before. I got to try and like take like what's the point of making another thing if I'm not for him as, as someone who considers himself an artist Scorsese of not like trying to push cinema further with, with what I do and introduce a new idea. And I think that's part of why he's uh, continued to thrive so much longer than most people Mm -hmm. because he's always hungry. He's got the eye of the tiger. He's hungry for more. He's continue. He continues to stay hungry to do something new and exciting and, and explore where he can push things Right. Versus a lot of other people, and I definitely give the Daniels credit for you know they're auteurs. They do they do a unique thing. They're pushing cinema in their way. I'm happy for them. I'm not like mad that they won. I just thought there was better stuff, and I just don't really want to watch that movie again. Cool. I, I remembered when you said whose who's podcast is this that you that we were supposed to talk about a specific thing, and yeah. so that's why I have now stopped asking you yeah, more yeah. questions. Well, okay, so so <laughs> so on on every episode of the Jew Rogaine Experience, or on most episodes of the Jew Rogaine Experience, I do have a specific thing in mind to talk about, and it usually takes about half the podcast to start talking about that specific I thing. I feel you. Um, so I, I think a lot of people tune in to episodes of my podcast to hear the specific thing i say it's going to be about mm-hmm. and then they turn it off uh <laughs> before it ever gets there because it seems to take so long he's to talking ever get about to that kundun point. again <laughs> how many episodes are you going to talk about <laughs> fucking kundun by the way i'll just say this you know what my least favorite scorsese movie is and i watched it again the other day because even my least favorite movie of his i'll watch a uh, hundred times taxi driver no no oh, that's right up at the top uh, uh departed Mm, yeah. I just think I think it's the one movie of his of all of his movies where he doesn't push cinema. Mm-hmm. The one movie of his that I felt like I I understand that feels like a movie someone who's not him could have made trying to make a Scorsese like movie. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, we haven't talked about Tar yet. I won't. We'll throw it all. That, tar. That, that could what, be the what, rest. What, I. 
Tar, I would have been, I, I thought Tar was awesome. I really like Tar. I like Tar a ton. I understand. And that ending, again, there's so much depth and so much to leave you thinking about with Tar and such a movie that's about right now in our world and handles it in such an interesting way. And man, what a amazing, hilarious, insightful, dark, and interesting ending to that movie yeah i i it's a it's a rare thing where of i the really nominees, it. of the nominees on my list i picked uh i picked um todd field as best director nice i get that i i felt like i i know people who hated it and i know people who loved it and a lot of times if i love something and other people hate it i'm like no you didn't get it here let me try to convince you but with tar kind of uniquely i'm like i totally understand hating that like mm-hmm. I, I really loved it, but I'm not gonna fight you on that. And that's to me, that's almost made it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I really, I mean, Tar's a movie I'm happy to watch again. And Tar's a movie I recommended to a ton of people. And again, I liked everything everyone. Liked. Uh, <laughs> and look, okay, I like Andrew Yang. I didn't like what Shangela said. Uh, that that everything. <laughs> I'm conflicted on Andrew Yang. I think he's a little Elon Musky in in weird ways. I don't. I I just don't like people who think they know better than everyone else. <laughs> I think he's at least thoughtful and like. I mean, the fact that he's even he's got a, his own podcast. He wants to hear. He wants to understand. He wants to. Cool. You know, I think Andrew Yang's good for podcasting. I think I like that he pushed this idea in his. Uh, but like, I don't know. I just think there's a there's a point where certain people's egos turn them from a force for good to a force for possibly bad. Sure. And and there's a lot of his ego that I'm just like, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, uh, politics is for a different podcast. <laughs> I don't hate him. Uh, yeah. I, I hadn't thought of him. I definitely until... take him as president over any Republican. Yeah. Even though he's like a little Republican. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but but that's um, that's for another podcast. To the thing I brought you here to discuss. Let's do it. Forty minutes into this episode, I am considering trying in fact to go to edinburgh this year i talked about it a little bit in episode 13 of the podcast with alu bell julian went to edinburgh a uh last year yes are you so first off are you considering it all going back this year why or why not considering hard uh really want to uh i'm trying to figure it out right now uh the why i want to is because it was the greatest month of my adult life and now, what made it the greatest month of your adult life? Was it just being able to do comedy every night? No, but it but that was it, it was very important. So I went with my uh, friend Mike Glazer. We split an hour. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but he either is about to or will have just uh, recorded his hour that sort of was developed. I mean, he's developed at a lot of places, but he was developing a lot of it there. And um, it was just so cool. It was very cool to be able to be like, I'm doing a big show tonight. I did one last night. I'm now, doing you had, one you had a nighttime night. spot. Yeah, we, it was a uh, it was nine p.m. nine to ten. Um, was that night. an ideal spot? I think so. So, what, what times do you think are like the best spots to have a show in Edinburgh? Because things are happening all day. I know Al had like a three p.m. slot and like a six p.m. slot. Right. I don't think that time is the only factor. I think it's more like how does everything. Congeal. Where we were, our our location wasn't necessarily ideal, 
but we were close enough to one of the big event producers so that we could sort of catch people who had maybe tried to see a show at assembly um which is the the one of the big the they basically it's not like a normal festival and you know this but just for mm-hmm. your for your listeners and viewers it's not like a festival where there's a single entry point where you say okay i'm going to send tape i'm going to put it together an application and i'm going to submit it it's more if you can find a place that will allow you to do comedy every day for a month or even a few days then you're a part of the festival if you're performing in Edinburgh at that time, then you were a part of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is very, that's why it's But fringe. you have to pay a fee to be a part, to be considered part of it. No, you have to be, you have to pay a fee to be in the program. To be in the program. But you, they are, they are very adamant that, that we just run, you know, certain aspects of it to help with publication. But if you are here and you are performing, you're a part of the festival. The festival is, is in the city for the month of August and like everything that happens there is now, sort of how a late am i in applying now when did you apply last year so the 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 bad news is you're late the good news is this is still a little before we applied last year okay great i and it's so it's i had right tried around. to apply to a free fringe thing right i've heard nothing from them yes so i'm assuming they're just like fuck you have you followed up with them i guess i could follow up with them i would follow up just to see hey are you all full um i also have a friend who applied and to free fringe i think around the same time you did so i'll find out if she heard back um but yeah you should follow up because the thing is this is sort of everyone's i I think some people are doing it full time but as a lot of people's like second gig even when they're they're producing and like especially with the free fringe it's very diy Mm -hmm. at sort of all levels of it so every time we emailed somebody at even if it was at the official did you apply to free fringe last year I think we did and we didn't either we didn't hear back or once yeah I think we applied but it was we applied later than you did and then I think like a month later we followed up. Well I know that Al heard back but Al's like a staple there so I think Al just lets them know he wants to do it right. he gets the spot. Yeah and I think you know they're trying to program the best like lineup I, I also feel can. like I did a real like rushed job applying just cuz I wanted to get it in and I was on a plane when I did it. Yeah I would just follow up. Okay. Um but the way that we got it mike and i are very i'm like he's much more i'm much more like dot dot the i's and cross t's and he's much more like let's just fucking do this which is actually a great team to have because i'm both of those you're you're probably not but (laughs) (laughs) you, you might you might think but it's hard when uh i think it's very good to have uh to be able to have like one person be captain of each of those. And and maybe you are. Um, but I think basically the way that we got it was we didn't hear back from free fringe. So Mike just posted on a Facebook group. Hey, we just had a venue uh, like fallout and like, can it, does anybody have any space left? Which was a, a white lie. It wasn't hurting anybody. It wasn't exactly, mm-hmm. we'd applied to something that we hoped we were going to get. And then we didn't get it, but he made it sound like somebody had canceled on us. So you hear that, Fringe? They're liars. (laughs) They're lying their way in. So if they apply and I apply and you want an honest person who can do both dot their I's and cross their T's and just go for things, I'll do that. And I won't lie to you. Probably can't put on that good of a show if if there's that much, uh, not that that room Uh, left for creativity (laughs) (laughs) when you're able to do all that organization. I run three shows here in L.A. right now. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, the, uh, but yeah, the, it wasn't really a lie. It was just like a, yeah, 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 just, a shorthand. Uh, and somebody reached out and lie. said, "Hey, 
we oh. like we have a space um and they're which this organization that i love edinburgh little theater um and they basically i think it started from this guy who just would used to do like like he was an actor in in Edinburgh, and then he put on classes. I think for like decades, he's done like singing classes and acting classes. How many seats was your theater? It was technically eighty. It was 80. it was bigger oh, than wow. we wanted. Okay. Oh wow! Um, and how many people would you, on average, have at a show? I would say on average, it, and it was a, you were able to close off a large amount of it. But on average, it was between fifteen and twenty. And okay. like if there were ten so people there, fifteen it and felt twenty, you were able to make back about. Uh, eight tenths of what you so uh correct four fifths yeah which i will i'll, I'll like so our venue costs two thousand pounds which i think when we paid it was 2600 us dollars and then as i was uh telling josh i think over dm or something we made through ticket sales we made back um i think 1600 um yeah 1600 and then so we wound up each spending about three hundred dollars on the venue which isn't terrible for a month okay, but then you also had to pay for a place to stay and food and everything what yes. would you say your net loss was i was trying to think about this this morning um i think it was probably including the flight including food the the most it could have been was probably four grand which is a lot of money per person or total between the two of you uh for me for you. Like, I, th- I think it was it could have been closer to three grand, but just in terms of being realistic, like I saw somebody when I was doing this prep last year, I read an article that was like, y- you can't reasonably expect to like definitely have to pay less than five grand on this endeavor, um, which I think I did wind up doing that partially. I had a friend that I could stay with for free for a few of the weeks. Um, but yeah, it's something it costs. And you can, you know, some people are and able to keep their jobs. did you and Mike just rent a place together for the two of you? No, I have a friend from high school who lives in the middle of Edinburgh. So you just stayed with them yeah, the whole I stayed time? With her. Well, I stayed with her for three so weeks. So you still and then, lost three grand staying with someone the whole time? From, I, I had to rent a place for like a week and a half, which during the festival is very expensive. So I think that was like, I think that was 1100 So if I had stayed with someone actually the whole time, then I probably could have gotten it down to... 2000 to 2500 and that's including the flight was like 850 oh then the flight yeah okay um so yeah that's how much it, it adds costs. up pretty quickly it adds up it adds yeah. up uh how relentless were you guys with promoting the show we were out there um so uh, the deal that we had with the theater they printed out um little flyers that we could give out so we didn't have to did you, you design know. the flyers yes i got uh tian tian chen a uh, great comedian great designer has he designed? Do you know? You know him? Yeah, I mean, I designed my own flyers, but um. uh, pretty cool. Yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. He do, he does do everything. This guy, <laughs> give him a spot in instead of I us. Designed this uh, little Drew Rogan experience logo. It's beautiful. Thank you. Why don't you have someone at the beginning saying, um, uh, "Open mics by day, Drew Rogan by night," which is what he says at the beginning. Do you ever listen to the Joe Rogan experience? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I used to a little bit. They have some, I don't know if it's like Dana White or I don't know who it is, but somebody's saying, train all day, Joe Rogan all night. And I, I was waiting for that. Oh, when I was oh the you first. know what? You know what I've been wanting to do? I've been wanting to have a thing that like, I have the music that plays and then I wanted to have someone go, this is not a parody show. And then it goes, the Jew, Rogaine, experience. That would be cool. Psh, Probably Ryan, starts. the cable viewer. So have Ryan, a, Ryan's actually the person frame. who came up with the name. What a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, a more clever per- person than people think. I mean, I get you know. I, I like. I to, think you're I, clever, Ryan. I like to give. I like to give the shout out to Ryan when when uh, people give me 
kudos for the name, which really is the heart of the podcast. I really only did this podcast because I was like, that is a good enough name, Ryan, mm-hmm. that I will spend hours of my life, like, like insane yeah. numbers, insane amounts of time making this podcast just to have the name you came up with right. <laughs> on the internet. My favorite Ryan the Cable Viewer experience is we were at the West Side and I, I forget why somebody was saying it was a Ryan and someone's last name. And I said, what's your last name? And he said his last name. And then he was like, oh, I mean, um, the I mean, cable the view. cable viewer. <laughs> <laughs> but, he said it the first, but he had such a, oh, no, I've, I, I've, left. I've, I've revealed, I've <laughs> yeah. revealed the man beneath the, the facade. And then I gave him a ride home and he made Begged me stop you. at 7-Eleven. Oh. <laughs> and he got a cherry Slurpee with the cap off and a tuna sandwich. We were four blocks from his house and he ate the tuna sandwich before we got to his house. Ugh. I was like. Maybe maybe you could have waited. <laughs> I love you though, Ryan. We love um, you, Ryan. Anyway, I we were out there about the first couple of days we tried to just like walk around a lot of different places and talk to people and um and just stand, hand out flyers, uh, ingratiate ourselves to people. What we realized after about a week was an hour 90 minutes before the show standing within half a block of our venue so that we were able to say Hey, you want to see a comedy show? And there's the the town is or the city is small. You can walk across it in probably ninety minutes, truly, almost in almost every direction. And there are people who are there to see shows, and there are three thousand shows a day. So people really do sort of go out and say, you know what? We don't need a plan necessarily. Just what show? Let's gonna... just find a show that. And like that's sort of the fun of it, also, as because I was trying to see shows is just being able to walk around and say, hey, yeah, this sounds. Did cool. you guys have a clever name for your show? I hear like naming your show something clever really helps. It was clever, and this was all Mike. Um, it was. Because we've known each other, we met in Improv Two Hundred One like a decade ago, and we've just we don't we don't see each other all the time, but we are like dear friends. Whenever like we can catch up, like it's not been any time, and so it was going to be something friendship related. And then he was like, "Let's do absolute friendship because then it'll be early alphabetically in the program," and that is that helped us a lot. I think mm. starting with, I, but the only thing you can do better than starting with an A is starting with a number because a number. those go even before. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the, and like, you know, just being as like whatever, like... 101 hilarious jokes. That would be great. <laughs> that would do very well. I th- I think there might have been something kind of like that last no, year. Clever, clever, clever tricks. Um, And just being like any sort of credit possible, being shameless with it, like... New York Times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you, I, I, not that you wouldn't have done that, but you, you must do that. Like... Uh, Mike was uh, on like like years ago wrote on like Night of Too Many Stars um, and that was that got nominated for an Emmy and so it was like Emmy nominated and like we just put everything every, I wrote for Maxim 13 years ago people were like I've heard of Maxim Magazine or like is something that I had a show at the Comedy Central stage, which is not Comedy Central vetting you, but it is. They did own the stage. And Number one comic to watch in LA 2023. <laughs> yeah. Ian, Ian <laughs> you, I think, as much as I don't necessarily uh, condone like, that, condone publicizing <laughs> Ian Iruso's list. Love you, Ian. Also love you. Um, you should absolutely put that there. Uh, just, just, just full transparency. The day Ian put me number one on his list, I got asked to be on a Laugh Factory show. I got asked to be on an improv show. I got emailed by this website asking me if I wanted to be featured on their website as their featured comedian for like the month. I was like, 
Wait, was it Voyage LA though? No. Okay. No, Voyage <laughs> Voyage is yet to hit me up. Voyage, I'm Come here. On, Voyage? I've done a lot. I'm I'm ready to be uh shout out LA. Uh <laughs> I don't know who Voyage is and I don't ever want to. I sort of like the the mystery. Well, it's you know, the thing about Voyage is it's like I want it, but also I'm embarrassed by it cuz Cooney has just like Brendan Cooney really has like created is that who it is? No, no, Brendan Cooney is the guy who like makes fun of flappers and makes fun of Voyage LA. Oh, right, right, it's right. like anytime you do anything that Brendan's got his like got his target on, you feel like a little bit of shame uh, embracing. But you have to be shameless in this industry, I find. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I, it's I just think it's funny when somebody who's like sort of just getting started in any medium in LA is like, "Holy shit!" I just got like. My friend Joe and I will send each other when somebody, when a, a mutual friend is like, this magazine wants to feature me. And we're like, it's going to be Voyage. It's going to be Voyage. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nine times out of ten it is. So, Which, so again, we love Voyage, Ryan, Ian. So your theater, your theater, it was like a theater? It was actually a, it was called the Royal Society of Edinburgh. And it mm-hmm. was a, it was like a, a very stuffy um, academic building. And so we had. Was it like a classroom where like, you were doing no, the show? No, like, there was a stage, or they had built the stage, but there were like chandeliers. It was like a conference room. There were big oil paintings of scientists. Like it was a. It, it was Do very. You have, you, I'm imagining you have pictures you can show me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 sweet. When we got in there the first time, I was like, this room looks really cool. I don't know if it's good. For, for comedy? comedy, but it did it worked out because we were able to sort of split. I think everyone in Edinburgh knows they're going like that's part of the charm of it is going into these weird rooms and right. watching. And, but comedy. you kind of you want it to be like you know a, a room like this, like 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 this is also a like we are in a very small room and it's like laughs will get trapped in here. For ours, the ceilings were very high. Oh, you think this is a good size room for a show at Edinburgh? Absolutely, this yeah. is perfect. You could sell out every single night. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it was. See, I'm crazy. I think I could sell out 80 tickets every single night. Impossible. Impossible. (laughs) There aren't enough people in Edinburgh. (laughs) I mean, there are, but I just... What did you guys charge for tickets? uh, I think it was 12 pounds. Or no, it was 10 pounds and then... You could be, there was like concession price, which is basically somebody can say, hey, can I get $2 off? And they can. But we also were very free with comps. There was a night where we had some people in town who we really wanted to have a good show for um and so we just made it all free um and so i think we got like 40 people in that night uh we had one night where we only had two people and that was one of my favorite nights we just put their chairs on the stage al, al uh got his only review of his show ali bell talks about his name for 56 minutes and about something else for four minutes the only review he got the reviewer was the only person in the audience al talked about his name for a solid hour to one person in the room and got a glowing review there was a show that was sort of like the this was the story of fringe at least in some circles where it was at the stand which is a comedy club uh, it's kind of like the improv or like the like like it's a comedy club chain in the uk mm-hmm. and there was a guy who was about to because and everyone has these stories of okay nobody's coming tonight i guess i won't do the show and then one person shows up and one person showed up to this guy's show i wish i could remember the the comic um and that the the comic just like put on the best show they could and the person was dying laughing and one of the biggest reviewers in fringe was in the bar next door and she could hear this person is laughing so hard. What is why? Why? But also, it's strange to only hear one person laughing. And so I think that stood out. And so because she heard that, she went and saw the show, and it was sold out 
the rest of the run. Damn. Like that's that's how it's it's rare to have like selling out every and show. Unfortunately for Al, that that review was at the very tail end <laughs> right. of Fringe, and yeah. he said that he his show did well from that point forward. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, we were relentless. We were out there. Uh, we also wound up hiring uh, a flyer, which is a big. There's a big culture around that. Yeah, just, and you think that's worth it too? It was worth it. We also we had met this kid on day three. I think he came to one of the shows because you can also just go around. There's showcase shows, and you can just do a bunch of different shows. And so Mike was on a show, and we met. This wonderful kid, Sven Lidman. If you're in Fringe, I highly recommend uh, getting here. Like he should be a publicist. Um, and he told us, "Look, I'm doing. I'm flyering for a lot of other shows." Because he brought some of his friends to our show, and afterwards he was like, "I'm flyering for other shows, but like I've been to them and I like them, but like I love your show. If you ever want to flyer, like I will be passionate." And he killed it. Like he was out there and just. He was however many hours a day we wanted him out there. He was out there and he wouldn't even at times when he didn't know we were like I was walking up and I could see him a couple blocks away, just like animatedly pitching the show. And he he did. I mean, we I think it was like 15 pounds an hour and he easily paid for himself with the tickets that he got in. Oh, nice. Yeah. Amazing. Um, cool. So what do you think are the odds that you go again this year? And do you have a new show? Uh, I would say. 57 percent i'm really i'm really trying 57 for it. what a specific number <laughs> i'm saying uh probably 33 and a half percent chance uh well i've heard that you should be when you're like you shouldn't just use percentages as like shorthand um or as like, like 57 why not just say 50 50 you're on the fence because I really want like it to be more than 51%. that. Fifty-one percent. I think the question is more: Why am I not saying sixty? Yeah, why are you not saying sixty? Because I'm not, I don't want to. Not going to do. It. I don't want to let myself down <laughs> too hard. It's hard to do. Um, it is hard from a planning standpoint, from a, from financial, a financial standpoint. standpoint. Um, and I want it to happen. And I, I think if I say fifty-seven, then that keeps the sort of fire going that I need in order for it to potentially happen. Um, and. Yes, I have a I have a show. Uh, I've been sort of workshopping it at the Comedy Nook. Julian Stern keeps trying. It's a full hour. I was doing a half hour, and it's, so it's a lot of the same so stuff. So it's so it's like the half hour plus another half hour. Uh, yes. So would you do this one alone? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I and now what do you think are the advantages to doing it with somebody versus by yourself? It's just hard to do. Like, like it was really nice, and I mean, I I don't think Mike will have any problem with me saying this. Like we loved having each other to talk to after the show there were also times where we were getting on each other's nerves as as one might expect and like i think i think he was feeling more there were times where like you know we both wanted it to to really take off we wanted to have that oh we're gonna sell out we're gonna win all the awards and i think i was feeling a little bit more realistic is how i felt but also i understand if it felt like oh why why is julian not as upset about this as i am and i'm trying to be optimistic and i'm trying to like keep us going and saying okay whatever we have 10 people let's still put on the best show we possibly can and he's rightfully saying you know what like what can we be doing more and so we were there were we we probably gotten like two or three fights but they were like very productive fights and we were able to 
I think the fact that we weren't staying together was actually very good mm. because we didn't mm. we didn't have to deal with any. Yeah, I mean, I could stuff. say you know I just went on tour for a month with one person. We were basically around each other twenty four seven for four straight weeks. Yeah, and uh, I think we got along miraculously well. There were definitely periods where I was like, I just I hate him. Right. <laughs> I want him to go away for a minute. Yeah, and that <laughs> but was. I'm going to go on tour with him again next month. So obviously, <laughs> nice. or in May. So obviously, it wasn't. wasn't yeah, so and bad. I would do it again with Mike in a heartbeat like i think i i don't think that he i think he's got other summer touring plans um but i hope that we'll do it again at some point and like you know even with different half hours or like like are I you gonna, are you gonna have, hit up the same place to see if you can get that room again for your show uh, or would you try and find something smaller or what would you do i'm definitely gonna hit them up um my, I wanted to have all of this planned a lot earlier. My girlfriend broke her ankle in November, which takes a lot of time to and sort of put set back a lot of the plans. But and, you can't just like be on your computer while your girlfriend's ankle's broken. I mean, uh, sounds honestly, like sounds like uh, you need a go getter in your life to <laughs> push you to dye your eyes and cross your teeth. I was going to get a lot of ice and adjusting blankets every five minutes and uh, doing. <laughs> Damn, and, sounds real high maintenance. Getting, this lady getting, sounds. <laughs> uh, a broken tail is high maintenance if anybody yeah. breaks their tailless it is it is very high maintenance um but uh i appreciate um you uh feeding the part of myself that's questioning whether i'm actually the one that's holding me back yeah um, so it's always good to have someone like that in your life um, I, I always say like you know the main thing the, the, when people ask me how do i get things done i'm just like well i put myself in a position where i'll be horrendously embarrassed if i don't complete the thing that i set out to do oh yeah where it's like where it's like the level like 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 put myself in positions where it's like give up on my dreams move back home if this doesn't happen yeah and then you force yourself to like make it happen uh you get you get into like you feel that moment you'll start i it's funny because like i always i'm a sort of last minute person but like last minute could be three weeks from something but it's like i feel that moment where it's like if i don't do this right now i'm fucked yeah i'm in the um, exact same i'm we may, the same I mean, person i'll tell you when i did my tour through the southwest we didn't have one show that we produced that had like any less than half the room filled up so that was yeah. um because I would, I would, I literally, there was like one show where we had like 10 tickets sold and I was <laughs> in like a big club that we had to spend $400 on for the night. And I literally printed out a thousand flyers and went to the closest uh, strip mall and like talked to everyone there for as long as it took mm -hmm. to like pressure them to buy tickets in front of me off of the flyer I was handing them. I was like, I will not. I will not let the show fail. You'll do well at, at Fringe. That, that's good. I mean, I have, I'm, I'm going to visit home in DC in a couple weeks. And I'm also, I just texted a bunch of people, Hey, I'm going to be in DC in New York. And I like have a couple shows set up, but I want more. And I'm at that. I'm right at that last minute. Like, Oh, you better get uh, some well, stuff. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to New York next month. And uh, what I did was I literally just went, scoured Instagram, scoured the comedy bureau, scoured every person I know in New York, uh, flyers for the shows they do mm -hmm. wrote down a spreadsheet of like 200 shows yep. and IG messaged every single one of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's what it takes. Yeah. It's just like, it's be relentless. Be yeah. relentless. It's the relentlessness that will take you far. Right. But it's also the enjoying. Like, it, it is It is the, the enjoying the ride. And, like, it's very... 
like absolutely have have all the high hopes you can but but i will say that the person who i saw the i can't remember the comedian's name but they won i think the dave award which is one of the big awards which like the awards really don't matter but Mm -hmm. it is cool to get them um and so her uh she did a little basically in a little trailer she had um her show and then she did a three-day run in this massive tent that probably sat i don't know between 300 and 500 people and um she said at that show like you're here on the second day i just won this award i we sold out yesterday so we're doing this show again today i'm still losing money on this thing and she was coming from like manchester or something like that like like it's it is not something it's where not you should expect making. to make money but it is something like it really was so i know important. that al has made money sometimes He's broken even sometimes, yeah. and he's lost lots of money sometimes. So he can go. He probably can... lives with fewer expenses than a lot of people. <laughs> you'd think. You'd think. <laughs> Al's like the kind of person. Al shops at Erewhon. That is a surprise. Al, Al called me. He's like, he's like, I shouldn't have come here. It's so expensive. I took an Uber to, to Equinox, and then I had to work out, and then I headed down to Erewhon he to works grab out something at to eat. Equinox? Not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. But he was for a while. Wow. I'm like, you don't have a home, but you're working out at Equinox? <laughs> <laughs> Al's like, I, I enjoy the nicer things in life. Yeah. Not a home. Not a nicer home, but the nicer things. Yeah. That's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Um, it's irresponsible of the person that let him buy his membership at Equinox. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm honestly impressed with Equinox that somebody who came in looking like Al, looked, someone who limped in, someone yeah. who limped into Equinox with like eight bags, right? <laughs> Looks like they're mo- someone who limped in looking like they're moving to Equinox, walked in to, to get a membership. Yeah. like all right, yeah, they're okay. not normally the type of business that's like we're also a service provider for <laughs> for the unhoused. I know. I mean, my LA Fitness. You know, I used to jog around the track past people who looked like they were walking out of a nuclear explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's... I was like, I'd be like, am I gonna go swimming? Ah, the pool's looking a little bit yellow today. It's because all that radiation. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, uh, it's like it's no, it's literally like people walking out of the opening scene of Children of Men, <laughs> like on the shredded clothes, no shoes on, and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Trump's yeah, so. talking about the fire and fury on the on the elliptical machines. As <laughs> <laughs> I'm going by, I'm like, yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> oh, incredible! Uh, Julian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I hope we're at Edinburgh together. Same, and then we get to hang. Thank you, by the way, for coming to Al's show at Accidental Chaos. Of course, since you missed his show at uh, when it was at Edinburgh. You know, you keep trying to guilt me for that, and I won't receive it. I you will not accept you. I'm saying, your I'm guilt. Saying, I'm saying, I'm, I'm absolving you <laughs> of the guilt for coming. Was, I I felt no guilt beforehand. I love. I love Al. I feel should, I have you should, done. You shouldn't feel any guilt because you did help promote <laughs> yeah. the document. I was just like, I. It, w- it wasn't a guilting. It was more of a, a shock. I'm like, here you. You love this movie so much, and the guy is there, right, for a month. But that's doing two shows. That's the testament <laughs> to. I think one of his shows was during my show, but that's and the, the other testament one was three o'clock. Yeah, is is just like there is so much so going much to on, do. and I really. Within the first couple of days, like just released myself of because at first I was like I'm gonna see three shows a day I'm gonna do this. and then I was like no I'm just gonna like 
enjoy, enjoy this. this. Yeah. And I'm not going to see any fucking shows. <laughs> I'm, you, ki- I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. If I go, I'll go to everyone's fucking no, shows. No, you don't have to go to everyone's show. I'll Just go to go everyone. To, yeah. I'll, go, I'll definitely go to Al's. Go to some uh, circus shows. There's circus stuff. There's circus stuff. There's well, my original pitch to, to the Free Friend was going to be a magic music and comedy show. Yeah. But uh, I think I'm just going to do the stand-up. Mm. This one. Maybe you do ma- music? Yeah, I play piano. Oh. Uh, I play I play piano. I, 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 that's what I I ended my I don't really play piano, but I play one song on piano. Um, you have yeah. like a comedy song that you play on piano? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like the song. The song. Wait, or you played a song that I liked about uh, about like how many followers? Oh yeah, you yeah. Have yeah. That's on, another. It, but, yes, no. That was just a little so you acapella. Do a couple, you do a little. You do a couple of songs. Yeah, I do. I do musical com- like my show is half musical comedy. I haven't put comedy. any of my musical comedy out, but I've written some musical comedy. You should put it out there. It was going to be a part. It was going to be a part of uh, this initial idea for the Edinburgh show, but I think I just want to do my hour right now of just pure stand up, and then next show, next time I after I finish my hour, then I'll start working on a magic music and comedy hour. It was going to be called the most talented man in the world. That's great. And that's and I know we're trying to end the podcast, but I I just want to keep getting little tidbits in here that like you can just say you're going to do stand up and then be like, you know what? Fuck it. Tonight I'm doing magic. And like that's allowed. It's no rules. Whatever you market it as. My show is going to be called loose. My show is going to be called one. The most talented man in the world. Yeah. The number one. Yeah. And then just the most <laughs> just so it's right at the top of the program. Right. That's smart. You should do that. One of the most talented men in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, I think that's a good idea. If you put a number sign before the one, is that gonna move me to the back? I don't know. You should look at the program. I, I, I bet to. it's still available okay. from <laughs> online from last year. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Julian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Anything you want to promote before I let you go? When's not this, that I, not that anyone's listening anymore. When is this coming out? Uh, ideally two weeks. Okay. Um I abs- check out the Sternal Journal. Sternaljournal.substack.com. You can see my shows there. Uh, and hopefully by then I'll know whether I'm I'm going to fringe. But I will be doing my hour more here in LA, so come check it out. Uh, I'm gonna come check fun. out his hour next time you do it at the at the Comedy, Comedy Nook. Nook. If I'm available, if I'm around then. Mm, you better make yourself available. All right, all right. Thank you again <laughs> so much for tuning in to the Jew Rogaine Experience. I'm Josh Edelman. This is Julian Stern, and I will see you whenever the next time I do one of these. <laughs> <laughs>